are in our last week of this series, Lessons from the Desert. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at uh, different events in Scripture that have taken place in the desert. Today is, is more of a wilderness, not really a desert setting, kind of a, a similar thing. But hopefully, as we've been looking at, at these stories over the last uh, few weeks, we've, we've learned some things about how God might help us through our own deserts how we might be able to take some of the lessons that we learn, apply them to our own lives when we're going through our own desert or through our own wilderness experience. And today we're going to wrap up this series by looking at Jesus and as he was led by the Spirit, as the Bible says, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 4 and we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 11, or you can just pull up that online bulletin that you just had on your phone, and I think it's there. Uh, read along with me. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Several years ago, Denver Post ran a story about a sheep rancher, a sheep herder that said uh, this, and uh, I'm quoting straight from the story in the Denver Post. It says, like many sheep ranchers in the West, Lexi Fowler has tried just about everything to stop crafty coyotes from killing her sheep. She has used odor sprays, electric fences, and scare coyotes. She has slept with her lambs during the summer and has placed battery-operated radios near them. She has corralled them at night, uh, herded them at day, but the southern Montana rancher has lost scores of of lambs 50 just last year alone then she discovered the llama the aggressive funny looking afraid of nothing llama llamas don't appear to be afraid of anything she said when they see something they put their head up and walk straight toward it that is aggressive behavior as far as the coyote is concerned and they won't have anything to do with that coyotes are opportunists and llamas take that opportunity away and I think that these llamas illustrate what James chapter 4 verse 7 is saying that, that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. If we will head him face on and really let him know that he doesn't have any power over us, then the Bible tells us that he is going to flee from us. And the moment that we sense Satan's attacks through the temptations that he will throw at us is the moment that we should face it head on. And we might look as goofy as that llama whenever we feel like, you know, we're facing the devil. But understand it's exactly what the Bible is telling us to do. And we need to deal with the temptation. We need to deal with the sin that is in our lives 
for what it is and not try to skirt around the issue and pretend like it's not there and just hope that it goes away. We need to face it head on. It's been rightly stated, when you flee temptation, be sure that you don't leave a forwarding address. See, there's a common misconception among people within the church uh, concerning temptation. Many believe that it's a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin comes when you give in to that temptation. Temptation comes, for, or the sin comes when, when we give in to those desires, when Satan is throwing things at us and we give in to those, those things. But James tells us each person is tempted when we're dragged away by our own evil desire and when we are enticed. It's whenever we give, give in to that and allow Satan to have that foothold in our lives. And I think what happens with some people in their lives, they become so burdened, they become so discouraged when they have a temptation in their life. If you're not giving in to that temptation, don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let him bring you down. Don't let him tell you that you're worthless just because you're being tempted don't let that guilt come over you but learn how to fight against it reminds me of the story of an old country preacher he was a poor country preacher he was absolutely livid when his wife came home from shopping one day and she had a receipt for a 250 dollar dress that she had bought he asked her very sternly how could you do this she said i don't know she cried. She said, I was standing and I was in the store and I was looking at the dress and, and then I found myself trying it on and it was like the devil was whispering in my ear. He says, gee, you look great in that dress. You should buy it. And the preacher said, well, you know how to deal with the devil. You just tell him, you know, get behind me, Satan. And she said, I did. And then he said, it looks great from back here too. See, each of us face these temptations in our lives. And if we, just, if we just give in to them and go along with it and we listen to what he's saying to us, that's when we're going to be dragged away and we're going to do stupid things that God does not want us to do. It's not a sin to be tempted. The proof of that is in the story we're talking about today. And Jesus in, 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 is, is in the wilderness. He's being tempted by the devil, yet he was without sin. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, our high priest, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. He was tempted just like we are, yet he's without sin, right? So it's possible for us to be tempted without sinning. Jesus showed us how to do that. There's hope for us whenever those same old things start popping up in our brains that are temptations for us. There is hope for us to not have to give in to that temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I find it encouraging that there is a way of escape when we are tempted. When someone says, remember the old saying back in the 70s, that the devil made me do it. Remember that was, was that like a Flip Wilson thing or something? Anybody remember Flip Okay, the devil made me, now I'm really showing my age. If you guys don't know who Flip Wilson is, look him up. All right, or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe don't look him up. Okay, very good. Anyway, uh, but uh, anyway, he used to say the devil made me do it. That became a very popular phrase. The devil don't make you do anything. 
Nobody makes you do anything. And when you're faced with temptation, you deal with it immediately. Ben Franklin said this one time. I totally agree with what he said. It is easier to suppress the first desire than to, to satisfy all that follow it. Don't let that temptation linger in your life. And don't give in to that temptation. When you do, your chances of fleeing from that temptation decrease greatly once you start to give in to that temptation. And you've got to realize that without Christ in your life helping you, that sin is more powerful than you are, and it will destroy you if it has an opportunity. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And then he said this, and I think a lot of us can, can identify with this, with this, the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. And so today as we look at this story in the life of Jesus, I want us to learn some things that I think are going to help us encounter temptation in our lives. I believe it will help prevent us from entering into a desert period in our lives when we sin. Here's the first thing you need to understand. You will be tempted. If you uh, are not being tempted, you might want to you might want to check your pulse, right? I remember Billy Graham one time, he was on Larry King. Larry King asked him, he said, you know, and, and Billy was well along in years, and he said, you know, uh, Dr. Graham, you know, are you still, at your age, are you still tempted? And he said, oh, yes, I'm just tempted by different things, right? The temptation never goes away, and as we mature, Satan is still going to throw things out there at us that tempt us, but they're just sometimes different things. And you need to understand, he's not going to stop on you until you start dealing with it. You are going to be tempted. It's a fact. It's real. It's constant. It's powerful. Verses 1 and 2 again. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2 after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You think? <laughs> uh, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, I cannot make it from breakfast to 11 o'clock without getting a little bit hungry. Am I preaching to anybody today? Anybody with me today on that? You know? I, I've done 30-hour famine. Uh, and man, that's a struggle just going 30 hours. We have fasted as a staff and leadership before. And, you know, that, that's, that's a struggle. Sometimes Jesus went 40 days. And then the very first temptation that Satan throws out at him is something that he knew Jesus would be tempted by. See, he's not stupid. Satan's not stupid. Listen to this in, in, in chapter 3. Uh, of Matthew, Matthew three sixteen and 17, it says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love in him or with him I am well pleased. And so Jesus goes from this awesome scene at his baptism where the Holy Spirit comes down on him and his father is speaking from heaven all three uh, entities of the, of the Godhead are all there uh, together. And, and this is an awesome moment. Maybe the most awesome moment of Jesus' life up to this point on earth. Right? 
that Satan had a plan. Satan's a schemer. He knows when to hit. And by looking at this, we learn that this is how he works with us too. And sometimes he attacks after a spiritual high. Jesus had just, like I said, he had just come through maybe what is the most spectacular moment of his life up to this this point and sometimes that's the way he works on us can can anybody identify with me that like you've gone through you've had just an incredible experience uh maybe a spiritual high and then it seems like out of nowhere satan really just rears his ugly head you ever notice that you know i know that's the way it works around here sometime um we have some pretty awesome things that happen around here. It seems like we, we kind of, Kendall and I have had this conversation before. Be on your guard because Satan's probably going to do something you know, uh, to try to throw us off, off track. You know, we've, we've had several baptisms around here recently. We've had higher attendance numbers here recently. We're building a, a new wing uh, on our school here real soon. So a lot of good things are, are going on. Be on your guard, church. Because Satan sees that and he's just not going to take it sitting down. And, and I think that is a very common practice. This is what he does, not just to individuals, but organizations. He tries to attack somebody when they're at that moment. I've seen it happen in people who, who have surrendered their life to Christ. They made a first time decision. I think that's one of his most common practices is when someone gives their life to Christ, they repent of their sins, they're baptized into him. It's not long, and you have this spiritual high for a little bit, but it's not long before Satan, he comes after him. You know? And I think he does that. He doesn't mess with you before because he doesn't need to. He's got you right where he wants you, and he doesn't really have to mess with that too much. But once you give your life to Christ, I think that's when he starts to hit you. Maybe some of you in the in, in your walk with the Lord, you've rededicated your life to Christ. You've 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 had this desire to do more in Christian service and you say, all right, I'm going to step up and I'm going to do it and you commit to something and really get involved and really start serving the Lord and then boom. You ever notice that? That's not an accident. Maybe you've been fasting and praying and you've been growing closer to Christ and you can just feel in your walk you're growing closer to Jesus. Be on your guard. He's coming for you. Right? So, so I encourage you, you know, don't avoid the spiritual highs for fear of that because you need, to, you need to seek out the Lord. But I do want you to know you need to be prepared for battle whenever those things do happen. Right? And so he will not only attack you when you're on this spiritual high, but we also find out that he attacks us in our physical lows. Jesus was physically hungry from a 40-day fast. The devil will come at you when you're feeling poor physically. He did it with Jesus. We should expect nothing less. We read about Elijah. Remember Elijah? He was so discouraged that he asked God to just take his life. Just just kill me. Just get it over with. He'd just run a marathon to get away from Jezebel. And that's what the enemy will do. When you're down, when you're low, when your back's up against the wall, he just keeps hammering at you. Can can anybody identify with that? Right? 
1 John chapter 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so what happens a lot of times when you're going through these physical lows or these spiritual highs, that's when Satan really throws these things at you. He has this strategy that hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. When you go back to Genesis and you read the Garden of Eden, isn't that what he did there? Right? He used the same things against Eve that he used against Jesus, that he tries to use against us. Consider this for a moment. The temptation in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what Satan is doing in the Garden of Eden, he did it with Jesus, he does it with us. He goes after that, that lust of, of the flesh. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, right? That physical desire to have something that she was told she couldn't have. Doesn't he hit us the same way? Doesn't he entice us with things that we know we shouldn't have, that lust of the flesh, right? And then he, hit, he hits us with the lust of the eyes as well, right? The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and then the pride of life Verse 6, the third part of that, and it's also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And so that's the strategy he used. He uses the same strategy against Jesus, right? The lust of the flesh. The tempter came to him, said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Satisfy that, that, that fleshly need that you have right now and then he, he goes after the lust of the eyes devil took him to a very high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor all this I will give you if you'll just bow down and worship me Satan here, here's what Satan's doing and see if maybe this doesn't resonate with maybe a point in time in your life Satan is basically saying it seems that God who you think is your father He's starved you, he's deserted you, he's not giving you what you know you deserve, but if you'll just surrender to me, I will provide you with everything that you need. The Bible says that all of the nations of the earth were promised to the Messiah. Whoever was the Son of God, they belonged to him. And Satan tempts Jesus with the greatest form of idolatry. He says, all of these things that you see, I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And he'll offer you the same deal today. He'll promise you fame. He'll promise you fortune. He'll promise you fun. If you just give up what you know is the right thing to do and not even worship him, but just turn away from God. And we often are tempted by that because we look at the, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we look at the material goods that other people have. This is one of the reasons why I'm getting less and less uh, 
keen on, on social media. We look at all of the material goods that other people have and we think, man, it would just be so much better if I had that. And, and we might even be tempted to give up the life that we know to live like we see other people living. We often look at and covet what other people have. And then we ask ourselves, is the struggle that I'm facing being a follower of Jesus, are the struggles that I'm facing, are they worth it? You know, to, to live godly and to do the right things, is it worth it? When if I just gave that up and, and did this, man, my life would be so much more fun, so much more enjoyable. Do you understand that a lot of the people that we are jealous of, and this isn't a popular concept in our world today, but I think the Bible teaches it, a lot of the people that we are jealous of, that we see on social media or we drive through their neighborhood or we work with or whatever the case may be, a lot of those people are headed for hell because they don't know Jesus. I'm not saying they're headed for hell because they have nice things. I'm just saying if they don't know Jesus, you can have nice things. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But if they don't know Jesus, they might have all of these nice things in this life, but after this life, now they're sacrificing a lot of stuff to have stuff. <laughs> you know? And we forget that if we're in Christ, when we pass from this life, we're going to have a mansion in heaven that is greater than anything that we'll ever see in this life. And so Satan's strategy against Jesus, he does the same thing. He goes after the pride of life. Verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you, if you are the Son of God, again, he keeps saying, if you are the Son of God, like, like he knew he was the Son of God, but he's, he's, he's just putting those digs in like he does with us. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Prove it. If you're the son of God, prove it. He will command his angels concerning you and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Satan is, is, is enticing uh, Jesus to do something he wouldn't normally do by questioning whether he's the son of God or not. And Jesus knew for a fact that he was. That was never an issue. But now he's being tempted to prove it to the enemy. Have you ever wanted to do that sometimes? You ever want to prove the enemy wrong? You ever want to take that righteous stand and say, I'm just going to, I'm going to prove him wrong. Pray about that, would you? Because I don't know if that's always the best case scenario. And just as the pride of life tempted Eve to partake of the fruit, Satan attempted to tempt Jesus in this way as well. Satan, he's got a strategy. He's got a game plan. He's a schemer, right? He has a plan to entice you to sin, and he's going to do the same to you that he did to Jesus and that he did to Adam and Eve. And many times we're tempted, and we'll be so prideful, and we'll think, well, you know what, I, I'm not going to give in to that temptation. And we think, you know, we've got it all together, and we can just handle this temptation on our own. But it won't be long before your temptation's handling you if you're not careful. You will face temptation, but in these verses, we see that you must resist temptation. If you're taking notes, that's the second thing. You must resist temptation. 
You say, okay, Ron, that sounds great. I like it. I agree with you. Wonderful. I'd love to resist temptation. How do I do it? How do I resist temptation? It's to follow Jesus' example. It's pretty simple, really. Look at his response to the first temptation. When Satan tried to get him to turn the stones into bread, Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What we might not realize is that Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. So Jesus is tempting or is, is responding to the temptation by quoting Scripture, right? Second temptation. Satan tried to get Jesus to cast himself down from the pinnacle of the temple. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 6.16. So everything that Satan is throwing out at Jesus as a temptation, he's answering by quoting Scripture. Jesus' response to the third temptation. Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is quoted from Deuteronomy as well. Every time Jesus was tempted by Satan, he responded in the same way he quoted Scripture. And if we're going to overcome temptation, if we're going to have any hope at all to overcome temptation, we've got to study the Word of God. We can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough. We can't be good enough. We have to study the word of God. We have to be like David. We have to hide the word of God in our heart so that we might not sin against him. And this requires reading the word, understanding the word, and using the word against Satan. Right? The necessity of studying and understanding scripture is seen in verse 6. If you are the son of God, then... He said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. Did you notice, and I find this kind of ironic, that Satan is tempting Jesus by quoting scripture. Satan knows scripture. You have to fight fire with fire. And here's what I think Satan does, and I know I've had this conversation with Laura before. He likes to twist those scriptures up, and he likes to manipulate scripture and get it in your head, and he will change just a little bit here and a little bit there to make you think that this is what scripture says. You can't let him play that game. You've got to dive in. You've got to study. You've got to know it. Satan is saying, if you are the son of God, here's what the Bible says God will do. He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I believe if Jesus would have jumped, the angels would have done that. But the point of this is that Jesus never went that far. He wasn't going to give in enough to that temptation to even get it to that point. Satan knows the word. He's going to twist it. He's going to turn it to fit his agenda. And the only way we're going to recognize this is for us to stay in the word. We've got to know the word so that we recognize a false word when it's thrown at us. How many of you watched Hee Haw growing up? How many of you still watch Hee Haw? You catch it on RFD? All right, I'll catch it every once in a while as well. I love that. I loved Hee Haw. I watch it now. It's kind of a little bit inappropriate to be on when I was a kid I didn't know it but now it's gone <laughs> anyway uh there's one episode that I remember I love it Doc Campbell he's confronted by a patient who says 
Doc, I broke my arm in two places. And the doc says, well, then stay out of them places. Right? <laughs> That's funny. You cannot continuously put yourself in the same situation time after time after time and expect to come out unscathed. Right? Charles Spurgeon put it this way, what situations are you in when you fail? Avoid them. What props do you have that support your sin? Eliminate them. What people are you usually with when you fail? Avoid them. See, that's not what we do. We, we <laughs> honestly, I, I just think, man, sometimes it boils down to we just, we like our sin more than we love Jesus or we wouldn't do it. And, and, You've got to avoid it. You've got to resist it. But here's the good news. You've got to understand, you can win over temptation. We sing the song, Victory in Jesus. That's more than just salvation. It is salvation, but it's more than that, right? You can have victory over the temptation as well. Verse 11, then the devil left and the angels came and attended him. After the devil bombarded Jesus Jesus answered with scripture, and Satan had to flee. What a great encouragement this is to us. Because the same is true today. When we resist the devil, and when we use scripture, he has to flee. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. See, Satan, he's coming after you. He's got a plan. But we can't just blame the devil for coming after us and enticing us. Many times we are tempted by the, the things that we just naturally want. The devil's not even anywhere in the picture. Someone put it this way, if there were no devil, I'd be all the devil I need. Because we're just tempted sometimes on our own. But here's what I want you to understand as we wrap up today. And I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team to come. There's a couple of lies that I want you to know that Satan uses. The first is this. If you just give in just once, it ain't going to hurt. And then the second lie is this. After you have sinned, your life is ruined. He would have you believe that just giving in to a temptation, you're beyond forgiveness, you might as well just enjoy sinning, you might as well just continue to do it. And then the next thing you know, you're so far away from God, you don't even realize it's like the woman that was floating in the raft in the Gulf of Mexico, and she's just enjoying this, this nice afternoon, and all of a sudden she kind of looks up and she realizes she's pretty far away from shore, and then about five miles later out into the Gulf of Mexico, the Coast Guard picks her up. She just floated so far away and had gotten so far away. And I think that's what people do in their journey with Christ. It's just this 
It's just a little sin. It's not going to hurt this once. And then the next thing you know, you've done it time and time and time again. And then you find yourself so far away from Christ. Satan is lying to you saying you can never find your way back. That's not true. There's an old saying that says sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you far more than you want to pay. But it all begins with that temptation. So guard yourselves. James 1.14 Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin. And sin when it's full grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived. My dear brothers and sisters. An interesting thing. And this is, this is the last thing I want to say about this. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 that I read for you just a little bit ago, it didn't even dawn on me till this morning right before the service. I had to scratch in the notes. I feel like it's just one of those Holy Spirit things that God gives you before you, <laughs> before you go into the service. That 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says that Satan is like a lion. It doesn't say he is a lion. He's just like one. He's pretending to be one. He has absolutely no power. In fact, this is kind of the image that came to mind. What came to mind was the Wizard of Oz and the cowardly lion who had no courage. You know, remember that? That's how I want to picture Satan. He's kind of like a lion, but he has no power. He's pitiful. If you are in Jesus, he has absolutely no power over you. Where he gets you is when you give in to that temptation. And then the, those chains of sin wrap around you and then he's got you. Be on your guard. Understand you're going to be tempted. You can win against a temptation by quoting scripture. And you must. You can overcome it. And there might be some of you here today that are battling with that. Maybe some of you are battling with some sin and you I don't know what to do. Maybe Satan's been throwing that lie at you that you're just too far gone. Nobody's ever too far gone. Nobody. I don't care what it is. As long as you still have breath in your body, you're never too far gone. All you have to do is confess to Jesus Believe that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. You turn away from your sin. If you've not been baptized, you need, to, you need to do that. And maybe that's a decision you want to make this morning. You're here today, you want to make that decision. We encourage you to come or you're watching online and you want to text the word ready to our church connection number. We encourage you to do that. Maybe you've, you've already made that decision, but Satan's just kind of beating you up right now. I encourage you to dive into the Word. Let the Word of God just fill your heart and your mind so that you can have the, the proper weapons to fight. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And um, as we pray and as we sing this song, if you have a need, we encourage you. We encourage you to come.